Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. Since I became governor, we've banned sanctuary cities in the state of Florida. And we are in the process of getting money from the legislature so that if Biden is dumping illegal aliens into Florida from the southern border, I'm rerouting them to Delaware. Well, damn. That's how you make a statement. You bring us your illegal immigrants, we send you your illegal immigrants. This is how we play the game. That was Governor Ron DeSantis of Florida speaking here. At CPAC, Conservative Political Action Conference, me, I'm Tony Katz. Great to be with you. Tony Katz today, thrilled to be here in Orlando, Florida, courtesy of Relay Indiana. Great people taking care of us. Can't thank them enough. Julio Rojas, <clears throat> oh my. It's the bourbon. You know, you know what? It, it, it could have been the bourbon. <laughs> Admittedly, the Four Roses small batch got opened. I said it so fast that I almost fell down. Julio Rosas. There you I go. tried to say it too fast. It, it can I happen. got a little excited. <laughs> Never happens when I say Ari Castle. I say the name of producer Ari Castle, nothing. I don't even, I don't even break a sweat. Julio Rosas. Really, it, the blood does move. He is a senior writer over at townhall.com. And he's the author of the book, Fiery, but Mostly Peaceful, The 2020 Riots and the Gaslighting of America. It's available at amazon.com, wherever fine books are sold. How is it that I'm not doing the audiobook for this? I did the audiobook. Oh, you did? I did it. Yeah, right. it was it was not fun, but we got <laughs> but we got it done. We got it done. <laughs> you covered uh, Governor DeSantis's speech here, and of course, there's the conversation of is CPAC a uh, where this is more the activist set, if you will, right? right. More of the people, the fighters, as opposed to the establishment Republicans. Are these DeSantis people or are they Trump people? Are there two different camps, or is it I don't care which, just get Biden out of office? But first, let's talk about what you heard. In this DeSantis speech, no, it's, it's it's pretty significant, right? I mean, what, what we have right now is that we're, we're we're seeing states that are being, you know, and those in leadership, they're being frustrated with this continued surge of people, and you know, all these people, a vast, a lot of these people that are crossing illegally into the country, they're not staying in border states; they're going uh, into further into the country, and and sometimes they are uh, helped by. Uh, non uh, charities that are who then get reimbursed by the federal government uh, and uh, through taxpayer money, and then we have uh, sometimes families that are already in the states helping their relatives once they're in in the country and get released, give the money. So it, it's we're we're just seeing states trying to figure out, okay, well, if the federal government's not going to actually enforce immigration law, and if it's not going to actually uh, do anything to stop all these people from coming then we might have to do something as novel as just dumping and sending all the all these illegal immigrants uh, at Biden's uh, home state and, and and as I was telling you earlier that I was hearing that uh, as far back in March of last year when this really kicked off uh, from a from a local ran, a landowner down in Texas I mean even back then he was saying he's like send them all to Delaware like Biden invited him so he he has to deal with them You've been covering, of course, immigration issues. You've been covering border. You've been covering uh, the riots. And that's what the book is about, fiery but mostly peaceful, the 2020 riots and the gaslighting of America. You can get that at Amazon.com. Uh, 
What was the reception for DeSantis? Was it a, hey, you're the governor of Florida, we're in Florida, thanks for keeping the state open? Or was it, yeah, we're, we're, we're ready to vote for you in, in 2024? You know, I was watching in the room. I mean, it was, the, it was, pretty, it was very packed <laughs> in there. I mean, I think, I think it was definitely a, I think it's definitely a combination of the two. I mean, when you look at... Uh, when you look at how he has actually governed the state, I mean, political rhetoric, it can always be nice, right? I mean, it, but you have to, if you want to be truly effective, you have to back that up through action. And, and, and DeSantis has proven that he can do both. And I mean, from the very, from the very beginning of this whole COVID thing, I mean, he, I remember, I actually remember telling my friend, uh, in March of, of 2020, don't go to Florida because I'm hearing, I'm hearing it's going to be the place. You know, this is back when I believed <laughs> Fauci, and I, I, right. I was naive. You know, I mean, but I told him, don't go to Florida because there's supposedly that's when the next wave is going to hit. And so, he, so he took my advice, and I, to this day, I profusely apologize. I'm like, <laughs> I'm very sorry. I didn't know what I was saying. I mean, but we, I, I, but we didn't know. But even back then. You know, uh, he was criticized. The Sanders was criticized for keeping the beaches open, which we know today, uh, or you know, commonly known today, that's like the safest place you can be. Right. <laughs> with, with with I mean, they were arresting people in California. For, uh, that that dude on a surfboard by himself out in the ocean and, and for violating. Co- I mean, it's just so weird how caught up we were in and all that. And so DeSantis, just even on that one major issue, he has shown that he was. Very, very effective, and he didn't buy into the fear-mongering. And that's just one issue, but uh, that's obviously the top of people's minds because we're still, you know, Biden last, last winter was saying that this is the pandemic of the unvaccinated, which is just not true and all that. Right. But in other areas as well, and now, like, apparently with immigration, uh, he's willing to take a stand on it, and he, that people here, at least here at CPAC, really appreciate that. People love it when you take a stand. They love a, a, a fighter. But they've got a fighter in Donald Trump. That's true. And if you were to ask me what I'm seeing around, I see a far more Trump gear than I see DeSantis gear. Now, maybe they've had four more years to buy Trump gear than DeSantis gear. Probably. Where is this crowd? Is this crowd a crowd of DeSantis or is this crowd a crowd of Trump? Or are they even dividing it down that that kind of, of path? I think I think overall I think this will probably be a more Trump crowd. I mean we're gonna we're gonna see the, his reception uh, when he speaks on Sunday, right? I think he's speaking on. I think it's, I think it's Sunday. He yeah. should be on Saturday, but I think he's speaking on Sunday. <laughs> yeah. So I, I think I think overall, I mean, Florida is Trump country as well. I mean, I mean, we made major gains in 2020 in the state that, that people didn't think was even possible. I mean, now it's it's crazy to think that Florida is no longer a swing state, which was I mean that was two cycles ago that was almost unheard of, and and I think that resonates with a lot of people. And, and then of course you know who's leading that. Uh, who's leading that swing? It's it's Hispanics in the you know the the Cuban population and all that, and then in Texas the same way. It's the the Tejanos and Mexican Americans that are over there that have gone more that went more towards Trump, uh, and so you know, I think I think overall this is definitely more of a Trump crowd. I, I think they 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 see the value in DeSantis as well, but you know when when we're talking about just even beyond 2024 and we look at what what can then who can carry on that torch? Because technically, right, Trump can't serve a second. He can't serve. Trump can serve. I mean, no, after that. No, after that, no. So then maybe people are thinking of longevity because DeSantis, if, that, if it goes, he can, he can, he can do it back-to-back. Yeah, so that's an interesting take about whether or not they're thinking about 
that kind of longevity, I think they would think, well, give me Trump for four years and then DeSantis for eight years, that gives me 12 years. That's, that's even better. I think that's the way some of them see it. I, I do think that that is correct, though. I think, and I'm, and I'm a little bit surprised that this crowd is more pro-Trump than I actually thought. And we're not talking about even pro-Trump policies. Policy-wise, you've got connection everywhere. Absolutely, yeah. Right? That's one of the unique things, that there doesn't seem to be real differences on policy. There might be, like, for example, I think Ukraine is one of those examples of, well, there are going to be some people who don't want to get involved in all, some people who want to definitely have troops in, in Eastern Europe because we have NATO allies, you've got to protect those relationships. We made commitments, you've got to honor them. There right. might be some people who actually want to be troops on the grounds in, in Ukraine itself. I'm not one of those people, uh, of course. But on, on energy policies and on, on ideas of how to combat inflation, there's a lot of commonality that I'm a little not used to. Yeah. Being at a CPAC, yeah. that part's different. Absolutely. And, and, and I mean, because and I've been covering, you know, the border crisis, but I think, uh, thanks to the Biden administration, there's multiple crises happening happening at once. The, the whole Ukraine situation is just, just the latest. Matt. And so uh, people are pretty unified, I think, in, as you were saying, not so much the people, but maybe just the, the policy ideas. And so then it's like who can actually articulate that the best and carry, again, carry that out. Um, once once they're in power, and and I think the real test for that is going to be the midterms, because obviously it, you know it, it all comes down to turnout, right? But if Republicans do take back Congress in both chambers, they have a real opportunity to actually finally deliver on things that they've been promising to, that they're going to fix for the past uh, you know year and a half, and so. When we look at then, okay, well, so if Republicans in Congress actually grow a spine and can actually do things besides just pass tax cuts, uh, then I think that can bode well for either Trump or DeSantis for 2024. Julio Rojas, see, I did it again. So you got to lay up. You got to lay up for the, the, the bourbon, man. Rosas, not Rojas. If your name was Julio Rojas, this would be a lot easier. <laughs> I think that's basically what I learned. I think I'm experiencing racism. No, I'm just kidding. I'm, no, totally, no, no, no. I, I'm totally kidding. If you want to experience racism. Oh, uh, wait, wait till the bottle's half empty. <laughs> uh, uh, Sarah, who runs the digital for us, three bourbons. She'll give you all the racism you can handle. <laughs> right, Bring right. it on. Right, lay it on yeah. me. I don't, I don't care. Her, her, her slams on the Irish, brutal, I tell you. <laughs> Julio Rosas, a senior writer there at townhall.com, and the book, Fiery But Mostly Peaceful, The 2020 Riots and the Gaslighting of America. i got to speak slower. I think that's, that's the key. <laughs> Man, a pleasure. I'm glad you're of here. Of course. Yeah, thanks for having me. More coming up. I'm Tony Katz. Live from CPAC in Orlando, Florida, presented by Relay Indiana, this is Tony Katz Today. So I thought it was the craziest thing in the world. And there are a lot of things you can think of the craziest things in the world as we're talking about Ukraine, that you would have John Kerry, the former senator from Massachusetts, the former secretary of state, the failed presidential candidate, and now the climate czar for Joe Biden, making the claim that the problem with war in Ukraine... Is climate. I'm very concerned about I'm concerned about Ukraine because of the people of Ukraine and because of the principles that are at risk uh, in terms of international law and trying to change boundaries of international law by force. Uh, I thought we lived in a world that had said no to that kind of activity, and I hope diplomacy will win. But a massive uh, emissions consequences to the war, but equally importantly. You're going to lose people's focus. You're going to lose 
certainly big country attention because they will be diverted and and uh, I think it could have a damaging impact. So, you know, I think hopefully President Putin would realize that in the northern part of his country, they used to live on 66% of a nation that was over frozen land. Now it's thawing and his infrastructure is at risk and the people of Russia are at risk. And so I hope President Putin will help us to stay on track with respect to what we need to do for the climate. The problem with war in Ukraine is it stops people from thinking about climate as if this is anywhere near <laughs> rational conversation. Tony Katz, great to be with you, Tony Katz, today. Mark Morano joins us right now. He is the man behind ClimateDepot.com, and he's the author of the book Green Fraud, Why the Green New Deal is Even Worse Than You Think. You can find that at Amazon.com. That's a holy cow kind of statement there, Mark. Yeah, I would say one word. Bonkers! There's no other word for it than that. I mean, he went as far, according to the Associated Press, John Kerry is calling for an urgent meeting of world leaders on climate, like an ad hoc climate uh, summit, in order to keep the focus on climate change. Here's two things to say. First of all, if the permafrost in Russia is actually melting, that would be a motivation for Putin to like global warming because a northern climate, would that would increase your agricultural production. That would get rid of your brutal cold. It would lower your heating costs. It would probably help your economy. The second thing is John Kerry believes, for some, and I say belief because there's no science or logic behind it, that climate change is a national security threat. When serious scholarly studies have shown that cold periods are the ones where you have the most wars lead to resource scarcity and conflict, Warm periods were called climate optimums, the medieval climate optimum. That was the optimum temperature, and that was the peacetime. So Kerry has it exactly backwards from the uh, peer-reviewed studies. And the other thing is the real threat to um, our national security is not Putin. It's not even climate change. It's not climate change at all. It's our climate and energy policy that's fueling Putin. And that's the problem. Putin oil and gas, his stock has gone up dramatically in, in the last 10 years, five years, because of what's happened in Europe, their pursuit of their Green New Deal, their net zero, their climate policy. And in the United States, the Biden administration has done everything it can do to drive up the cost of Russian fuel and aid the economy of, of Vladimir Putin. So the, 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 the bonkers, as you call it, and I know, okay, admittedly a word I don't, I don't use, but I don't tell you how to live. <laughs> It is, it is this ideology, as, as you write about with uh, green fraud, why the Green New Deal is even worse than you think. If something cannot be, you know, to quote Evan Sayed, it's not just wrong, it's wrong as wrong can be. It's 180 degrees yeah. opposite of the truth. That if there was a, uh, a warming of, those, of the permafrost, as you discuss it, that's better for Putin. That warm yeah. cycles are, are uh, preferable in terms of peace based on history yeah. than cold. These things are researchable. Yes. And they're so when they don't engage in the research, you clearly get to see what is ideological. Yes. And the way they get around that, and they do it with climate science, they'll say, you know, you could say polar bears are, by the way, polar bears are disappearing. They're disappearing from Al Gore's books and movies. And his first film, he made him an icon. They disappeared in the second. Why? Because there's now at record numbers, more than they've ever counted, at or near historic population highs. But Gore just dropped them off the template. The reason I bring up polar bears in relation to what you just said is 
when current reality fails to alarm, they make scarier and scarier predictions. So they will now predict that the polar bears are more doomed than they thought because of predictions of the year 2100. So what they do is, with global, with warmer temperatures and that, they project this hellacious hell, hellscape of a world on fire and brim that's being destroyed by global warming. And they say there's going to be resource scarcity sometime in the future. And that's the national security threat, not based on any climate evidence. But this is what we're dealing with. Because of this ideology that John Kerry, Joe Biden, Green New Deal, AOC, Al Gore have put on us, we are shutting down domestic energy. We are shutting down fracking, keystone piping, coal plants. And what we've done, and the same thing happening in Europe, in Europe, Boris Johnson, the UK premier, actually bragged about pouring concrete into fracking wells in 2019, shutting them down This because of their pursuit of the climate goals and net zero. These wells in the UK would have provided 50 years of gas for, for England, but they got rid of them because of virtue signaling because they wanted to look like they were woke on climate. So what's happened is our shutting down of the West of energy has empowered OPEC, Iran, Russia, and China. We're now more reliant on them. They don't follow the Green New Deal. They don't have the environmental standards that we in Europe do. And so they are producing nonstop energy, and they are going to be the ones the world is going to be dependent upon. We're already dependent on China for 90% of our solar panels. We're already dependent on China for Congo mines that have 90% of the world's cobalt, which is necessary for electric car production and, and windmills and solar panels. So we've given up energy independence just a few years ago for energy dependence on China, Russia, and OPEC again. Well, I've still got about 60 seconds left. In this crowd, this CPAC crowd, more activist kind of crowd, how do you suggest in 60 seconds or less, they go about addressing climate to their progressive or non-conservative friends? Great question. And one of the things you don't want to get into a, a long debate about science, what you need to know is hundreds of factors influence the climate. CO2 is not the control knob. Even if it were, every proposal ever made, including the Green New Deal, carbon taxes, the UN Paris Agreement, net zero, would have zero impact on global emissions, let alone the global climate. And this, I interviewed Ivy League professors about it and they did the analysis. This makes no sense. There's no cost-benefit analysis to green policies. In other words, Passing, riding your bike to work or, uh, you know, getting rid of your car or driving electric is not going to change hurricanes, floods and tornadoes. This is the ultimate virtue signal with real world consequences because it's got national security, economic and human, humane policies because people who can't afford to heat their home and air condition are going to be risky, risking death in the winter, heat stroke in the summer. This is what we face. And energy poverty is real poverty and we need energy. We cannot demonize fossil fuel energy. Mark Morano, you can find his work over there at climatedepot.com, climatedepot.com, and the book Green Fraud, Why the Green New Deal is Even Worse Than You Think. That's available at amazon.com. Wherever fine books are sold, check it out. My take on CPAC, I've got that for you. My take on Joe Biden, I've got that for you as well. Keep it here. I'm Tony Katz, Facebook, Tony Katz Radio. This is Tony Katz Today. Live from CPAC in Orlando, Florida, presented by Relay Indiana, this is Tony Katz Today. So what does CPAC teach us? Two days here at the Conservative Political Action Conference, presented by Relay Indiana. Me, I'm Tony Katz. This is Tony Katz today. That's producer Ari. How the hell are you? What have we learned from CPAC? 
I will tell you that this is the most different CPAC I've ever been a part of because Ukraine took the energy, man. Don't get me wrong. It's an energetic room. People are happy as can be. People are wearing suits they bought for the first time in their lives. It's adorable. College students, they got their fresh new suit. They're like, look at me. I'm a professional. But in the end, they're here, right? And they don't see the world the way we're told college students see the world. And that's, that, 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 that's worth knowing. And it's one of the reasons why this conference doesn't get much national press coverage is because they don't want you to see younger people fully engaged this way. So Ukraine and the invasion and Russia and what comes next, it's, it's taken a lot of energy out of the room in that people are, I can't say, that, the, the, you know what, I'll, I'll say it this way. There's absolutely zero panic, but they're bothered. Like, they're watching this happen and they're saying, we couldn't have stopped this. And then that's leading to, whoa, 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 what's this we talk? Joe Biden didn't stop this. Well, could Joe Biden have stopped this? Yes, there could have been sanctions or the announcement of sanctions, or we could have at least implemented the sanctions now, like the SWIFT sanctions and other banking sanctions that could have actually done something, and Biden still hasn't done it. Why? Now, this led to my conversation with Congressman Jim Banks, and that story is starting to make the browns where Congressman Banks is questioning Biden's weakness and involvement with Russia and Ukraine. Let me say clearly, I did the interview with the man today, and the quote is, I wonder why Biden is so weak on Russia to begin with. You go back to re-election, or back to the election. Everything we've learned that the media and big tech tried to cover up about Hunter Biden's dealings with Ukraine and in Russia. What do they know about Hunter Biden? What do they know about Biden's that's causing Biden to be so weak in this moment? When I asked him, are you saying, are, are you asking whether or not the, the, that Joe Biden is not engaging sanctions because of some information and dealings with the Ukrainian government? His response was, I'm asking that question because there are millions of people across the country who are asking that question. And on that, I will say for the record, I think that he is right. And if you say to me, Tony, that is flat out conspiracy theory crazy. How dare you? Follow me here. Because anybody who cuts it off now and doesn't listen to this next part isn't a journalist and isn't a rational person. They are a coward. Follow me here. I was told that Hunter Biden's laptop was all propaganda. It was all a conspiracy theory. None of it was real. And it was so egregious that Twitter wouldn't allow the New York Post, who broke the story, to carry the story. Six months later, that story was correct. Those emails are real and those laptops exist. It's very hard to tell people that they're being conspiracy theorists when you've proven that when they brought a news story, it was factual, and those people who didn't want it talked about worked aggressively to shut it down. Shamefully, despicably, not journalists, cowards, not journalists, lowlifes, not journalists, obscene people. Obscene, obscene people. So I think there are millions of people who are actually asking that question. 
But that Jim Banks, Congressman Banks laid it out so clear. Like, we've got the audio up at WIBC.com. Uh, this, this, this thing is absolutely positively, it's going viral, baby. People are going to be talking about this thing. It is just incredible. So the Ukraine conversation took certain conversations away. I would have expected much more economic talk at this conference. Instead, it's foreign policy talk. And there is only one guy who can engage the foreign policy talk about Ukraine to equal measure as Joe Biden. And that's Donald Trump, who is speaking here on Sunday. And you know he's going to blow the roof off the place on this conversation. I believe Julio Rosas from townhall.com is correct. This crowd, much more pro-Trump than I ever possibly imagined. I'm not talking about policy-wise. I'm talking about man. I am flabbergasted by the pro-Trump, the man that appears here. But if you are going by ranking the T-shirts, the sloganeering, the biggest slogan here at CPAC 2022, let's go, Brandon. Let's go, Brandon. You see everywhere. It is on hats. It is on T-shirts. It is on jackets. Somebody has a, a, a LED backpack with let's go, Brandon. It is men. It is women. Everyone, everywhere, let's go, Brandon. If I were to start the chant, you know the chant producer, all right, let's go, let's I'm familiar go, with it. Brandon. Right? If I were to do that, the, the entire place, all of Radio Row would go. They would do it. I know. Would, it's, it, I, I wouldn't do it, though. You, you wouldn't do it. Yes. But these people aren't here for you, Ari. As a matter of fact, they had a couple choice words for you when I walked in the door. <laughs> They said, you work with producer Ari? Let me tell you what I think. That's fair. But the second conversation is about Joe Biden. And as I was discussing Ukraine earlier, I want to make sure I put this into a bow. I want to make sure I wrap this up for you. I am personally, professionally, as an American citizen, disgusted that Joe Biden has not ventured forth with the full sanctions. He promised America that if Russia invades full crippling sanctions and these economic sanctions, as you more learn about them, you're like, yeah, these, this, this can really hurt a nation. And he didn't do it. And not only did he not do it once, remember, we discussed it. You had the so-called minor incursion into the Donbass, into Donetsk and into Luhansk. These areas that Putin said was a separatist region and he was sending in peacekeepers. And you had that happen. And there weren't the sanctions. And some people could have argued that, you know what, you want to step these things up. Well, now you have full-scale invasion, like I believe you had before. I don't believe in minor incursions. Full-scale invasion. You have people dead. And Biden still didn't pull the trigger. He still didn't do it. And I believe that is absolutely inexcusable. Absolutely inexcusable, obscene, disgusting, despicable, awful, horrible. So wrong, so evil, so failure of leadership that I can hardly hold my breath or keep my breath. 
And if you say to me, well, Tony, as you know, the Europeans, they wouldn't go for such a thing. This is Andrea Mitchell making uh, that, that argument, right? Making the argument uh, that, well, the Europeans wouldn't do it, while Katie Turr is saying that, yes, indeed, Biden is weak on sanctions. These sanctions, uh, he's not sanctioning Putin directly. He's not taking away his access to SWIFT. This would fall short of the most major set of sanctions that the president can impose. And I guess the open question now is why not do it now? What else is this administration waiting for? Well, clearly the Europeans were not, not in sync with this. He did not have support from the European community. Does that matter? Does it matter if he had support from the European community? He's the president of the United States. He is allowed to act alone in the best interest of the United States. And if ensuring Ukraine's peace and prosperity is the thing to do without committing a single U.S. troop, does it matter if France and Germany are along for the ride? Or do you say, screw those people if they're not along for the ride? You got to go about doing the thing. You got to go about engaging the leadership. You have to do it. You have to do it. You have to say, we're going to stand up. You have to say, we're going to be the people who lead. You have to say, we're going to be the people who do this, and other nations will follow. Other nations will follow. They don't have an option. Because leadership means taking the first step. He didn't do it. And this idea that, and he even said it, that the Europeans aren't on board for that, it doesn't matter. You made a promise to the American people and you lied. And so now they have to ask, you put 7,000 more troops in Germany, you already have 3,000 troops in Poland, you're going to have a massive humanitarian crisis on the border of both Poland and Moldova as refugees run for their lives if this thing keeps advancing. Um... Did you just put Americans in harm's way, but you won't sanction Vladimir Putin? That's the question that should be asked by every reporter in the White House press briefing room. And any reporter who doesn't ask that isn't a reporter, meaning Steve Ducey is the, Peter Ducey, is the only reporter we've got in the White House press briefing room. That's all we've got. You're willing to put American troops at risk, but you're not willing to put a sanction on Vladimir Putin. That is not presidential. That makes you despicable. It's a real anger that I feel towards Joe Biden at this moment. This crowd at CPAC, they do too. And they're coming out to vote. And so are a lot of people who didn't even show up here. They're showing up to vote. Democrats are very likely to lose the House and the Senate. Never say never. I'm close to saying never. I'm Tony Katz. Live from CPAC in Orlando, Florida, presented by Relay Indiana, this is Tony Katz Today. So right in front of our booth is Congressman Matt Gates, producer Ari, taking pictures with person after person after person with our Tony Katz banner in the background of like a hundred photos. It is the world-class product placement 
And I also did a photo bomb on the man. I got to tell you, producer Ari, I know he's not your cup of tea, but his hair looks fantastic today. Oh. Producer Ari, it is very, very impressive That's, uh... what the man has got going down. You you would be like, you know what? I am now a Matt Gates fan. I, I don't know why you're involving me in this. I, I, think, I think I'm bringing you into this because um, uh, you have issues with Congressman Matt Gates. Uh, I do. Right? So, so I'm just trying to make note of, of the fact that, that you do and that um, uh, he was here and you could have had a conversation with him if you had shown up. It would have been unprofessional for me to do that. So I wouldn't, if, even if I was there with you, I wouldn't have engaged with him because that would have been unprofessional. Why? Because I, Tony, you're there to conduct business. We're there to do a show. For me to get in a fight with Matt Gates would have done nobody any good. I, I, you could have said hello and talked about how nice he is, and maybe you could have, you know, swapped recipes about. Uh, I don't want you know, his recipes. Bean free chili. I, I don't want his recipes. Trust me. I think I, I you know what? I think you wish you were Matt Gates. This uh, is what I think. I, no, because he's probably going to go to jail, and I definitely don't have an interest in that. Well, a lot of people just took a picture with a guy who might go to jail. I mean, they, they, they took his photo. Well, sure. I, I take a picture with O.J. Simpson, too. doesn't mean I want to be right? him. They, they, they had no problem with... You would take a picture with O.J.? I mean, if he, if he walked in the studio right now, like, yeah, probably. You'd be like, O.J., O.J., juice! Are you kidding juice, me? Juice, like, juice! What an opportunity. Take if, a picture, Juice. If Kim Jong-un walked in here, I'd probably take a pic with him, too. Um, you wouldn't? I, w- I want the scenario where Kim Jong-un was walking into the no, studio. No, that's my point, is that, like, this is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to take a picture with this person. Like, yeah, I'd probably take a pic. So that's the proof that you, you like Matt Gates. All right, just wanted to make <laughs> oh sure everybody God. knew that. How did you get? You backflipped your way into that one. So everything that we have got... Um, everything uh, uh, that, that we've got, right? Um, all the videos, photos, uh, that is going to be at 93WIBC on Facebook. Facebook.com slash 93WIBC. They're posting everything. We've got more videos uh, to, to send out. Of course, uh, that Jim Banks interview that people are talking about, Congressman Jim Banks, you can find that exclusively at WIBC.com. You see it anywhere else. You know it came from WIBC and somebody stole that. I, Banks is going to start a conversation with this thing. Uh, left, I think, is going to try and punch him in the face. And other people are going to be like, what? You've already told us that conspiracy theories were conspiracy theories when they weren't. You see, you label it a conspiracy theory. It turns out to be true. You don't even apologize. That's going to be a thing. But this CPAC experience isn't done because they've shifted the days and now it goes through Sunday. The Sunday is the big day President Trump is here. There's going to be a lot happening tomorrow. We're going to be doing a lot of interviews, a lot of video that we're going to be uh, getting out to people. And, and so be sure to be following the Facebook page, facebook.com slash 93WIBC, and you'll be able uh, to, to see that and, and be, be a part of it. Uh, this has been a fantastic trip, and I just want to thank Relay Indiana for uh, making it happen now, as we go forward into next week, first we'll be getting into, we had uh, President Biden. He uh, has made his pick for the United States Supreme Court. Uh, I believe that this was announced now and uh, only uh, announced to try engage distraction from what's going on in Ukraine. Kentaji Brown Jackson, we will be getting a good understanding of her and her history you could argue that it shows that President Biden can handle you know, more than one thing at a time. 
I don't think that's the way America sees it. I really and truly don't see, don't, don't see that as happening. So we will be digging into that. We'll have the latest on Ukraine uh, next week as well. We're also going to be digging into some more of what happens now with the Indiana General Assembly. I didn't really get to talk about that uh, th- this, this week. We've got House Bill 1041. We've got 1134, which are, you know, we're talking about transgender students in sports. We're talking about uh, critical race theory conversations, critical race culture. It really should be not just necessarily critical race theory, which is, I think, a great way to describe it. We've already heard that Governor Holcomb has, there's hintings that he, he will sign these things or at least look at them. And that's also in and of itself a problem. No strength, no decision-making, no, I want these bills on my desk. Well, it depends on what the final wording is. He doesn't show a level of strength. Should I tell you that his name has come up here? His name has come up at CPAC. You know what it's been associated with? What's the deal with Eric Holcomb? That's a true story. Follow me on Facebook, Tony Katz Radio, everything at TonyKatz.com. Relay Indiana, can't thank you enough for getting us out here for CPAC 2022. Nick, Allison, Ari, Matt Hiblin, thank you guys for everything. Sarah, you too. Tomorrow, everyone, Monday, actually.